0: Crimson Tower Studios.
1: Welcome to the Old World Podcast, the unofficial podcast for Warhammer Fantasy roleplay and the original podcast to bring you both discussion and actual play in 4th edition. I'm one of your hosts, Lance. And tonight, I'm not only joined by my usual co-host, Matt and Steve, the beautifulness of everything that I love about Warhammer encapsulated in two people, but I have to add a third to that as uh, I feel like the Lord of the Underdeep has left his deep, deep delvings to join us in the Royal Halls as once again, Nolan joins us. Gentlemen, how are you all doing today?
0: fantastic <laughs> i never know how to feel about our introductions lance but they always <laughs> put a smile on my face i'm gonna be honest
2: uh, and, I, and i was, was wondering
0: or i'm like what is he gonna say this time
2: and i was wondering like all right what is he gonna say about me you know coming in every now and then
1: oh nolan the you are the hey man someone has to maintain that underdeep. Um, I do. You know, those iron breakers aren't going to lead themselves. That's your job, buddy. It's a tough job, but we do it. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, what have you guys been up to gaming-wise?
0: So I want to talk real quick about a game that was on Kickstarter a while ago and just recently started coming out to backers called Cascadia. And this game is super good and one that I – I get the feeling that this will be one that is going to hit the table consistently over the next few years because it's simple, but it's really fun. So the Cascadia region in North America is like in the U.S. It's the Pacific Northwest, but it stretches up through Canada all the way up to Alaska. And there's a variety of different like biomes that are up there as well as different animal species. So in the game, uh, it's really simple. On your turn, there's going to be these uh, hex... Hexagonal tiles that are going to have either one or two different land types on it. And it's going to show one or more uh, animal types that, can, that would live in that biome. And uh, in front of you, or in the middle of the table, there's going to be four of these tiles along with four animal tokens. So when it's your turn, you are going to take one pair, a tile and an animal, place it in your, your growing uh, landscape that you're building... And then place the animal on one of the tiles where it can be placed. And that's all you do on your turn. You're not required to like, match the different land types, although you want to for scoring. And there's five different animal types, five different land types. And each game, you're going to pull out one scoring card for each of the different animal types. So like the bears, you, need, you want them to be next to each other in pairs.
1: So is, is it sort safe. of like worker placement then? Not really worker placement. It's like a,
0: it's it, tile placement for sure. Tile you're placement? Is it like
1: area control then? Like I'm trying to.
0: No, each, each person's building their own thing. There's that, there's oh, very little oh. like,
1: player interaction.
0: Okay. So okay. you're just trying to like maximize your own score. Got but it. But there's different ways of scoring the animals. So that's going to be a random subset every time that you play. Uh, there's a few other minor rules, but for the most part, you're just drafting these tiles, adding them to your landscape that you're building and then putting the animals on where they're going to score. And this one has been a hit with everyone I've played it with. In fact, one of the reasons why I like it so much, on the Kickstarter page, there's a link to where you can play a digital version of the game for free online. And before I even got the physical game, I probably played 100, 100 games of it on the website. It's super good, super simple, and one that like lines up perfectly with the kind of stuff that we normally play. So really, really
1: happy with it. That's awesome. I went and looked at see every time you talk about a game I've never heard of it. I go look it up. I like the uh artwork on this. It feels very like Canadian, like I want to live there.
0: <laughs> yep Beth Sobel did the artwork she's a a pretty well known board game illustrator and it the art turned out great. The components are really nice um these uh the animal tokens are these really nice like thick wood tokens that have a animal printed on it not like stickered which is
1: Mm, okay
0: never no i'd never have been a fan of stickers in games for stuff like that um Hmm. yeah so you're just you know at the end of the game you're going to score based on the different animals there's like salmon that you want to have a consecutive run of salmon that can like move around there's uh elk that need to be in a straight line there's um birds or hawks that you don't want adjacent to other hawks so you're You know, every time you add a land type, you're not only adding the land there, but you're adding a spot where another animal can be placed, and each tile can only hold between one and three of those, depending on uh, the land types that are on the tile. It's really simple, really fun. Awesome. So, yeah, good stuff. What about you, Nolan? So, uh,
2: before, I've actually not really been doing much because of work and all that stuff, but so, at the time of this recording, the game Humankind uh, just released. So, Humankind is, and it's been pushed as a civilization killer. Mm-hmm. So, if you ever heard of, like, Sid Meier's Civilization, like, that's what they're saying, like, oh, this is going to be the next big competition to it. Uh, I wouldn't go that far, but it's a good game. So, basically, what you do is, you know, you create an avatar, and, you know, that's it. And you start in the, uh, I'm going to probably pronounce this wrong, but the Neolithic era, which I believe is like the early cavemen and stuff like that. Uh, And you try to earn era stars. You get so much, you go to the next age. Which So you go from the Neolithic era to the ancient era. But what I like about uh, humankind uh, compared to civilization, in civilization you do uh, one culture through the whole thing. You know, you're, I'm going to be the English, all right? So I'm always English, always English, always English. And humankind, every time you go to the next era, you pick between uh, ten different cultures. So I believe in the ancient era, you have the Azrazians, the early, early Egyptians, uh, the Babylonians... The Numidians, like there's just a like ten different cultures and they all are good at different things. You go to the next stage, which is classical, and you can pick um I can't remember
0: sorry so what's it, the next kind of like it follows. Yeah, like it follows. That, like, yeah. Some that are gonna, you mm-hmm. know, be conquered or or right. you know, new new cultures or civilizations are gonna sprout up in different places. That does sound pretty neat.
2: Yeah. Um, and it's also nice is because each one of the cultures are good at certain things. Like there's uh, expansionists, agrarians, uh, merchants, science, and builders. And if you do certain things in their respective, so like the early Egyptians are good builders, if you do a lot of building, you'll get more fame points, which is how you win the game at the end when you uh, basically end turn. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, very kind of difficult, but very fun game. I've been really playing. I actually, I think I was playing it before I even jumped on here with you guys. Nice. Yeah.
1: It looks like it's getting decent reviews too. Favorable, favorable reviews. So <laughs> I have to check that out. That sounds right up my alley. I mean, I'm a, I'm a yeah. huge Civ fan. So yeah. Uh,
0: I think one of I've, my favorites. Way back, in, well, not way, way back, <laughs> but quite a long time
1: ago, was Rise of Nations. I played yeah, that one's pretty good.
0: Back out of that game, that was a great one.
1: I yeah, it was. Yep. I, I like Polytopia, which is like the really dumbed down version <laughs> yeah. for your phone, but it's it's I really cool.
0: As he was describing it, I was like, man, that sounds kind of like Polytopia, right? right? Yep. Yeah, that was a fun little game.
1: Yeah, I love Polytopia. Um,
2: but yeah, uh, like I said, it it is uh, made by the people that di- is Amplitude. So if you heard of Endless Space. Endless Legends, you know, Endless Space 2, it's those types of people. So if you play of any of their games, you'll understand a little bit of how to play Humankind, Um, you know, but it's not a one-for-one system.
1: Awesome. That's nice.
3: Well, I'm definitely going to have to try that Humankind because I'm a Civ fan, um, so it's worth a shot. And Rise of Nations, I was just thinking about that, Matt. And then you mentioned it, and I was like, it's been so long since I've ever seen that game. Just in general, it's been, it's been, been years. Well, my month has been a little bit more boring. I want to say boring. I, I just got a lot of projects. Um, our old family home uh, just needs a lot of little projects done, so I've kind of been delving into that. I'm getting it in order, you know, just the usuals, trim, painting, drywall, flooring. Got that going, um, and I'm switching job roles, so that's kind of kept me on my toes for, for work. And, uh, you know, their overall schedule change, that'll come with it. So
1: um uh, hasn't been a good month for me work game-wise.
3: A lot of other things have been well, going on as as well.
1: Well, don't forget, we did get some Armada in.
3: Yes, we did, and I got crushed. At <laughs> Lance <laughs> got me, Yeah. Um yeah, our last battle was I think our ballziest our battle we've ever played. We literally started turn one almost fighting. Yeah. We were so close. Jeez. And it was just a grinding battle. I'm talking about major ships just keep on butting heads, just ships being torn apart, just it was a, a glorious bat battle.
1: It was nice. Yeah. He... In the end I lost by
3: a tiny tad. Yeah. I, I was gonna say I didn't crush
1: wife, you. But... But that was pretty. But, we basically yeah. I took my star destroyer and rammed his starhawk, which is a giant rebel ship, and we just like just blasted each other to bits. It was great. The mm-hmm. starhawk can take a lot of
3: damage. Yeah, it I can. mean, going head to head against a star destroyer and um, an mean Onager.
1: Yeah, really, it plane was plane two on one, and you barely weapons. lost. Like I had one hull <laughs> point left, so. That yeah, nice. but it, it's cool. You know, we take
3: pictures of the landscape, we take pictures of what the fleets are and the turns, and it's just, it's, it's cool.
0: That's always fun to look back at. I remember at Grand Con a couple years ago, there was a couple, t- uh, there was some younger guys across at a different table than us, but they had taken two giant uh, eight-foot tables, put them together. They had a whole black, like, uh, Starfield map they put down, and it was the biggest game of X-Wing I have ever seen. I mean, there had to have been like 40 models, 40 or 50 models on the table, and it was just the two of them going back and forth. That's cool. Yeah, it was pretty legit. Who won? I don't know. I will say that I I have a little bit of X-Wing, and there's a a guy that we just met recently we started gaming with, and he's an X-Wing super fan. So I get the impression I'm going to have some X-Wing in my future. I need to pull (laughs) those models out, dust them off, and get ready for that.
1: Buy those upgrade packs to get you to...
0: I know that I got in. Late. I got in like I don't know, maybe six months before the the second edition stuff came out. So yeah. all I have is first edition stuff. Which
1: me too. Yeah, but the upgrade you can buy the upgrade things. It's just it's it's complicated. But um, Armada actually fantasy Fantasy Flight sold off Armada. Well, it didn't sell off, right? So it's all owned by Asmodee. Asmodee handed it off to one of their subsidiaries, like, all their Star Wars stuff. And then, I forget the name of the subsidiary, but it just announced, like, yesterday or the day before, um, that they are no longer producing or um, new stuff for Armada. So, apparently, they're going to be reprinting the current stuff, but they don't currently have anything in development. So, it looks like Armada is on its deathbed, which just sucks, but... yeah. That's yeah. the problem Damn. with miniature games like that, is is these things don't have like I was used to be really big into War at Sea, right by Avalon Hill. Well, Avalon Hill got bought out, and then it just disappeared. It was an amazing game, very well done. It had a perfect balance of complexity and strategy, and oh well.
3: That reminds me, Armada, of- yeah,
0: um, Heroescape back in the day is yeah. one of my favorite games, like yep. the big you know, 3d terrain, you build a train, you battle on it. And I remember like seeing online or reading the news that they had sold the rights to that, to wizards of the coast. And they were going to rebrand it as dungeons and dragons hero scape. And it lasted one starter set and one wave of expansions. And it was, none of it was good. They, then the original hero scape, the models, there was like dragon models that were like eight inches tall just these huge, like, pre-painted, awesome figures. And I remember, like, the day that I knew that game was going to die, I bought the starter set, the new one. It even says on, like, the back of the box, for the first time, you see the, the black dragon. I'm like, oh, man, this model's going to be awesome. I pull it out, and it's, like, two inches tall, three inches wide. Uh, I'm like, what the hell is this? And I was like, this game is gonna it's going to die, and that's okay, I guess. I'd rather...
1: If it's not it end, good, have end, it die. Yeah, end,
0: exactly. So, well, and I still bought all of it because I'm a completionist. But
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, well, that's there are some games that just via the politics of companies, right? That one is like Disc Wars, Warhammer Disc Wars. I think that was a sleeper game. Um, it didn't. They didn't do a great job of like promoting it, or didn't get my interest. But when I finally played it, it was like man this is a simple version of like warhammer fantasy battles almost i loved it and i just felt like the game died way way too soon um i loved it so much i think i bought a copy for both steve and matt and sent it to him yeah i mean we
3: still have to play it
1: yeah Yeah. we need to do that we got it next time we get together we should play it because it's not a super long game but it's it's simple but the complexities of what you can do when build is makes it... It's one of the... It's just, again, it's a sleeper game in my opinion. So, nice. Anyway, so for me, I've been doing Armada, obviously. Um, I've been playing Minecraft lately. My kids got into Minecraft, and so I just jumped in to make sure I had an understanding of what was going on with the game and everything. Actually, I am a creative mind, and so I am have to admit i've spent too many hours um working on a dwarf hold in that game <laughs> so uh i i'm uh, yeah so that's pretty cool um that that has been a bad distraction for me i need to get need to shut it down but um and i am waiting today for my ultimate thing um i know uh you guys probably know this i've been saving money and just patiently um, trying to get a PlayStation 5. I've been, like, following all the certain Twitter accounts. I've been creating the different accounts in different places to make sure that I was, like, ready. I managed to snag one from GameStop a couple days ago. Uh, it's nice. supposed to get delivered today. Um, nice. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. Um, just, uh, it's, and here's the killer. The, the big reason I got this is so... <laughs> I can play Final Fantasy Seven uh, Remake. They have an additional character um, storyline for Yuffie, Steve, mm-hmm. that you can only get if you have a PlayStation 5. But once you have the PlayStation 5 and it's updated, it can update your PlayStation 4 version. So we're going to have to figure that out to see if that's how we can make that work. But um, either way, yep. I'm excited about that. So, And uh, I am now... I probably put too much of that on the credit card but it is well
3: congrats on the interest and uh congrats i mean it's the playstation 5 man that's awesome they are rare to find these days so
1: it's true it's true and then like i read a headline that um they're going to lower the price like literally three days after i bought it so (laughs) classic right yeah all right all right guys so uh let's uh let's go ahead and thank our outstanding patreon backers we uh i could We had a few folks uh, come in, and we wanted to say some thank you. So, Matt, you want to kick us off? Absolutely. First up, uh, we would like to
0: thank Teppo Cedar. Thank you, Teppo. And I am not confident at all that I said your name right, but regardless, we appreciate your support. Thank you for helping us make this show.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Teppo. Thank you. Awesome. And I I think that's all we have for uh, this show. So thank you guys for your support. Thank you so
3: much for your support. If you'd like to join these fine examples of what the old world has to offer and buy us a tankard of Bugmans, be sure to hop on over to our Patreon page and support us. For only a couple of dollars a month, you can help us continue to bring you discussion and actual play in the grim and gritty world of Warhammer fantasy roleplay. Check us out at patreon.com forward
1: slash old world podcast. Excellent. Um, so let's move on to announcements and news. This is a part of the show where we keep you up to date on Wolf Rip. And uh, related news. Hey, Old Worlders, Future Lance here. Just wanted to jump in here and say that we ended up cutting out our news section from this episode it was a little bit out of date um, when we recorded the episode by the time we got it edited uh, cubicle 7 had dropped a bunch of cool releases including empire and in ruins um just hit the uh the the pdf virtual shelves as well as uh, champions of death for the age of sigmar so uh we talked about a bunch of this stuff in there and it's now out of date. So we'll be talking about all these cool new releases in a future episode with all the new stuff. But uh, having said that, we're just going to cut this section out and move right onto the meat of the show. I hope you guys enjoy. So on tonight's show, we're going to continue our new series of episodes, which are focused on reviewing religion and the gods of the Warhammer world. Uh, these are uh, episodes are somewhat similar to our career episodes, as we pick between one and three gods, and we're going to go over the background in the Warhammer world and what the unique challenges are and the opportunities that a devout follower of a particular god brings to the table in play. Um, and on tonight's episode, we're diving into perhaps the second most popular god in the empire, and certainly the most popular for anyone from the Middenland, and that's Ulrich. So, Old Worlders, be sure to bundle your coats tight and have your axes near as we run with the wolves and release our inner wild as we discuss Ulrich, God of Wolves and Winter, on tonight's show of the Old World Podcast.
0: So, is the thought that Ulrich is second to Mabon? It's got to be, right? I mean, who's
2: second to Uh going to say we should redo that and because you never mentioned orc is actually the
1: true god of the empire <laughs> and i will die on that joke well we we we're going to talk about that so so let's let's dig into it so let's let's talk about just general we already mentioned right that Ulrich is god of wolves winter and warfare and he's often depicted as a heavily bearded barbarian and uh he Matt Matt uh, he's on camera now he's he's pointing mm-hmm. at his beard. Actually, I've so been. Are
0: we Are we thinking that when Gen Con comes back around next year that that I will go cosplaying as Ulrich or just as a dwarf slayer? Oh, man, because I'll tell you right That's now, a I'm not a tough call. Any of this until well after that, and if I want to go, I'm like considering just growing my, letting my hair grow <laughs> and going full hawk. Uh,
1: man, that would be legit. We'll uh, see. So, so I'll just
0: say that Ulrich also sounds excellent.
1: Yeah, he does. I actually was thinking about this, and uh, Games Workshop, you can have this idea for free. But, um, the perfect son of Ulrich for whatever movie you want to do is Jason Momoa. Um, you get that man looking mm-hmm. Ulrich it would be perfect. So, having said that, why don't you give us a little bit of the history? Uh, Nolan, you were just teasing about the true god of the Empire. <laughs> Why don't you expand on that a little bit? Give us a little background of what Ulrich's about. So, basically, Ulrich, as we said, the god of
2: wolves, winter, and warfare. Um, I always would like to, we should clarify that as because we do have also in the Empire, uh, what is it, Uh, Momidia, who is the goddess of strategy. Ulrich is more of the, just uh, kind of the brutal, the savagery of warfare, and I believe Mamidia is, like, the strategy side, so. But he is considered, I guess, I guess one of the, like, the king of the gods and kind of like the brother to Tall. And uh, one of the reasons why I always say that he's the true god of the Empire is because Sigmar, when he was <laughs> a, a normal chief, worshipped Ulrich.
1: So, so I, you know. Think about that for a minute. The every the patron god of the empire, the most revered god of the mm-hmm. empire, Sigmar. Sigmar ascendant, in the name of Sigmar. Right, Sigmar worshipped Alric as his primary deity.
2: Uh, like I'm Mind sorry, known. But wouldn't that not put him a little bit higher? Everything Sigmar has done is in the name of Alric. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's 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 yeah. true. I I and I, okay. I actually wrote a little note. Sigmar worshipped and that's a that's that's an, a very interesting thing. And actually, Sigmar, when we this is a little bit talking about Sigmar's history, but it relates the Teutogens, who are like the kind of the the ancient tribe that helped founded like Middenheim in the Middenland that area. And when Sigmar united the tribes, it was like they were the biggest problem he had to deal with, right? He had to get them in line and, and get them because they were the most powerful tribe that Sigmar had to deal with. So it was, it's a fascinating, fascinating concept. So Ulrich is what you would call, I don't know if you would call him the old gods, but they are like the newer classical gods, like Mermidia that you explained, right? There are some like newer foreign gods, but the original gods, like, when you hear like Tal and um, Raya,
2: I'm kind of yeah, Ulrich the, is in there too. The old, the old gods, as you would yeah, right, I would say
1: right.
0: The thing that you mentioned, the old gods, because in reading through this and and researching Ulrich, I could not help but constantly in my head think of the North from Game of Thrones. Yeah, like the whole northern area. They're mm-hmm. the same kind of thing. They're like these big, like burly men burly families with like woven cloaks and you know even the kind of things that that ulric despises weakness cowardice and trickery those are uh, seem to also describe the the clans and the banners of the north and game of thrones as well so it's interesting how those two kind of compare
1: yeah yeah that's uh it, it's an interesting concept but the the concept is kind of similar right it's like the it's the wild barbarian woodsman kind of feel, right? Mm-hmm. And the old
2: like frontier man, the mountain man. Yeah,
1: yeah. The the mount the mountain man that that's friends of the wolves and you know in and, and and hates hates evil and and is yep. more comfortable in the woods in the winter, you know than than he is in a city, right? Like yep. that's the the essence of Ulrich. Yeah, connected to nature. and
0: yeah, well, mm-hmm. and I think the the artwork for the Wolfkin out of the Middenheim book is yeah. like, yeah, does it, does it just right. I think we even compared him to the artwork in that book to um, Tormund Giants Giantsbane from Game of Thrones because they, I mean, mm-hmm. it had, to been, yeah. had to have been an influence for that piece of art. And uh, yeah, really, it really comes through.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, he looks just like him.
1: Yeah, it's good stuff. And I think this is this is a it's an interesting concept from from the from the old world in in the empire. So the human gods of the empire, right? If there were, ever was going to be like a political schism or, or something where people take sides on different gods, it would be Sigmar and Ulrich, I, I mm-hmm. think. I think that's a really huge thing and and it's very much Sigmar is revered like we we talk about the Reichland Reichland is like the seat of power for Sigmar and the empire hand in hand right the empire Sigmar's empire that's it's very much hand in hand right where but in the north right you're a little more resilient sure the southern provinces help support you in invasions and stuff but the everyday raids from the you know the chaos. Norsica, yeah. From Norsica and, and, you know, the the chaos waste and all the different things that you deal with that, that, you know, it's like on the edges of the wild frontier. It completely makes sense that Ulrich is, is the god that you might revere more.
3: For sure, with all the battles and kind
2: of just more survival and being strong. Absolutely. Um, I was, I don't want to speak up just in case it was spoilers, but isn't that like a big plot point in the enemy uh, within? Yeah, enemy within was like what, I was going to say in, uh, enemy in the shadows, but uh yeah, enemy within that's a big plot point, it's the
1: religious tensions between Yeah, absolutely. Big Mar and Over. Yeah, it it is. It's in be it's a plot point because it just is a thing that is constantly there. If you look at the history of the empire, the the fact that like the different levels of power like the the clergy of sigmar ended up getting elector votes like the power base of Ulrich was furious about that right mm-hmm. and and uh there's just a it's a very much a, a big thing and and so sure there are temples to sigmar in minnenheim but the biggest temple is the temple to Ulrich. and yeah. So so, let's talk a little bit about the culture around Ulrich, too. We've, we've kind of been skirting around the edges a little bit about that. But, you know, we already talked about, like, what the gods' spear of influence, right? So, like, wolves, winter, warfare, right? And, and like, the, the wild barbarianism uh, to, to that effect, right? The, the woodsmen. But the worshippers, like, let's talk a little bit about them. We already talked Middenheim and Middenland. That's a big thing. But it's not just Middenheim and Middenhan, Middenland. He is revered over the entire empire, but there are some places more than others. A couple, a couple of things. So warriors and soldiers, right? Often um, warriors and soldiers will revere Sigmar, uh, Ulrich rather, will revere Ulrich. The north of the empire already mentioned, right? Dealing with those chaos weights is a little more wild, on the edge frontierish, if you will. And uh, they are often seen, right, um, if, to wear long beards and long hair, right? We talked a little bit about that um, with uh, Matt's beard uh, earlier. So th- these are the, the worshippers.
0: Yeah, it says they're split into just two orders, the priestly howling wolves and the Templar white wolves. So the howling wolves are the ones that are not popular outside of Midland and Nordland, viewed by most folk to be too coarse for this enlightened era. So these are like <laughs> the more, I think like more like the wildlings again, so much I'm comparing a lot of this to game of Thrones because it is so similar, but the, uh, howling wolves are the ones that are a little bit more, a little less attuned to right. civilized they're, society.
1: Right. And they're the ones maintaining the temples and the shrines and yeah, right. More, preaching to the people.
0: Yeah. Mostly,
3: uh, I wouldn't say fanatics, but the ones that have the most, Maybe not the most, but they're they're
2: into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh
1: you mentioned the White Wolves, right, which is the Templar Order and the military order. And it's interesting because in Warhammer battles, the White Wolves has or like the fantasy battle game system, right? The Empire when you have the Empire, you one of the big strengths of the Empire is despite that they are weak humans, right, they have a lot of variety and troops and stuff. And, like, you had the Reichsguard knights, right, which are your, like, heavily armored, heavy cavalry. But if you wanted to upgrade and get some just vicious warriors on, you know, knights, you would get white wolves. And they all had, like, white, the models have the white pelts of wolves on their back, Mm -hmm. riding into battle, carrying war hammers, you know, instead of lances. Just super iconic. Really cool.
3: And and it's interesting because, you know, we mentioned like, uh, you know, the white wolves and uh, the howling wolves, you know, where one's kind of, I wouldn't say disregarded, but like in civilized society or or what the Reichland thinks is, you know, their civilized society, uh, they're kind of looked down upon because of how they live. But yet the white wolves are popular across the the whole empire. (laughs) It's it's because, you know, when they show up,
1: they they end whatever threat was Gonna wipe out your little village. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in in white, so we're talking white wolves too. White wolves is a big imagery piece for Ulrich as a god, and followers of Ulrich. And um, within the Templar, right, uh, you wear a white wolf p- pelt, not just a wolf pelt, right? Just a white wolf pelt, which the the requirements require that you must kill a white wolf with an axe that you've crafted with your own hand how cool is that talk about yeah. talk about something for like you have a devout follower of ulric in one of your games dude i that feels like a nice side quest one shot right there for sure
0: yeah goes right in with the stricture right right only wear the pelt of a animal that you defeated with a weapon that you made yourself That's right. such a and I'm just trying to, to connection to nature, and I'm just thinking of
2: like the whole thing. Like, so yeah, uh, you got to kill a wolf with the weapon you have. So you have to be a decent blacksmith too. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I'm just trying to think about that. If you're charging down a wolf, I want to make sure that my axe, when I connect <laughs> with it, will kill it, and I don't have to take another swing.
1: Well, yeah. and but you know, white wolves, one good
0: swing, That's <laughs> right? Yeah,
1: that might all you get. So one thing I think is amazing, too, is I feel like people in real life or and I guess I can't speak for everybody in the world. But like where I live, like we have wolves in what we call the upper peninsula up north. But I don't think the average person has a real under. They think wolf. They just think like husky dog. Right. Wolves are huge, huge, like normal wolves that just live in, you know, the wild are not small dogs. They're not large dogs. That's they are small, huge. Dog. Yes. Yeah. And in a white wolf in Warhammer is like bigger than a normal wolf. So I just, it's not, I mean, it's not like you're going to like, oh, I'm going to go kill the stray dog down the street. No, no. you're taking on a minor monster. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And you better hope there's only one. Right. <laughs>
0: oh. oh yeah. It's game over. Oh Oh,
1: man.
2: Well, uh, like, I'm trying to remember what is it that quote from, like, Jurassic Park when Alan Grant is saying, you're looking at the Velociraptor ahead of you, but you don't see the two coming yeah, from the side."
0: Exactly. Yeah, I'm a girl. <laughs> <Yep>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's, before we move on to, like, uh, gameplay mechanics in 4th edition, there's one other thing I wanted to mention, which I think is a really unique piece and really important for... Ulrich, so Ulrich's seat of power is Middenland or Middenheim, and the the great temple of Ulrich is in the city. It is built around a the flame of Ulrich, which is like a pure magical flame which is coming out of a fissure in the ground. They don't fully understand it, yeah, but you can walk through it, you can put weapons into it, get certain powers. there's even rules in the Middenheim book for this. And like, as part of like a pilgrimage, you will travel to this temple to walk into this flame, this, this white magical flame. And it's like huge in like a uh, steeped in the magical, uh, like I, I want to say it's, uh, the Amber wind, right, Gur? And it, it's, I mean, but it's just a crack in the ground. Like, like how fascinating, right? Like my immediate thought in the Warhammer world is, oh, there's a magical flame in the ground. You're just assuming that it's like Ulrich. <laughs> How do you know it's not chaos? Because everything is chaos. Everything is chaos. I yeah. You know. I just it's but it's fascinating. It's super cool. Um, and the imagery for it is awesome. So I just wanted to mention that. I think it's one of the coolest things about the Ulrich religion in mm-hmm. Warhammer. There is and
0: a very like, I mean, this is a bit of a stretch, but almost a crossover to the real world. There's a uh, an area in Turkmenistan, on actual planet Earth, where there I believe they were mining. There was a group that was out there mining, and they basically ignited a fire in a yeah. natural gas vein. And it has never stopped
1: burning. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I read about that.
2: Literal, the, the gates of hell.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah.
0: An, an actual eternal flame. And it's like, it just made me think of that. Obviously, it's completely different and actual, grounded in science and everything, but... Uh, it is kind of a neat – it's a cool visual if you wanted to, you know, use utilize that with your players or whatever. Or, how, like, I automatically think, like, man, how sweet would it be to, like, have your players come across something like that? Right. Like, hey, you're walking through the desert. All of a sudden, you come across a giant hole in the ground that is just forever burning. Let's build a temple around it. <laughs>
3: exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh...
0: Oh, cool. Lance,
3: so, and Lance, you brought you brought up a point where it's like, yeah, it could be chaos for all, for all everyone knows. And I'm thinking like, yeah, everyone's being – I think they're being blessed. But uh, yeah, the, oh, the so uh, be yeah, bill will be in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: The bill will be in the mail. That's awesome. Oh. Oh. So – let's Let's move on to gameplay stuff. Um, so Ulrich has some really cool stuff. If you're going to be a follower of Ulrich in the game, let's let's dig in. Um, actually, Steve, you want to take us through some strictures? Yes, yeah, so <laughs> obey your betters. I mean that's like,
3: I mean, how you determine that, I guess uh, I guess it got their own ways. Uh, <laughs> de- defend your honor in all manners and never refuse a challenge. Uh, mean,
1: <laughs> never refuse uh, a challenge. We're going to talk about that. Uh, stand honest and
3: true. Outside an ambush, trickery, and deception are forbidden. Well, dang, that goes half our ta- tactics. Half? <laughs>
1: half, like, 99% of your tactics involve lying about gonna, your intentions.
3: <laughs> we're going to sneak around and if it works out. I mean, it usually doesn't, but we try. Um, only wear pelts from wolves killed by weapons crafted by your own hands.
1: Oh, yeah.
3: I guess... Uh, some guys have bigger pelts than others, obviously, but, I mean, I, I mean, can you imagine, like, your first kill is, like, the smallest wolf <laughs> ever? Yeah, I'm going to have to wait. Um, black powder, helmets, crossbows, and ta- technology are not Ulrich's way. Yeah. I mean, that perpetually puts you in a certain era, but-
1: yeah, but you're not going to see, like, uh, a devout follower of Ulrich riding into battle with pistols, right? Like, right. I think that's, that's like, the they, they keep that kind of wild battle lust is true in hand-to-hand. Yeah. Like, But one it's thing, yeah. right, but they like can use the bows, thing. like right. normal bows and arrows. So it's not like Britonia where the knights abhor missile weapons, right? It's just <laughs> newer, newfangled stuff and And, as a reminder in gameplay strictures are the things that if you're a follower and and depending on on your situation you can get sim points by failing to follow the strictures and sim points can turn into nasty nasty gameplay mm-hmm, situations yeah. um as they build up so trust me, I've been doing everything I can to get um Matt's character to get sim points and and he's he's he keeps those i don't know if you have those <laughs> hey, on a sticky not note. On your monitor?
0: No, they literally are. I've written them all over my character sheet. So (laughs) even if we're on Foundry or on Roll20, I still have that out just to make sure.
1: I I fully expect the next time I come into your house, I'm going to look in the corner and there's going to be a literal small shrine to to (laughs) Maven.
0: I will say that that last stricture, black powder helmets, crossbows and technology are not Ulrich's way. Doesn't say anything about lamp oil. So we are we are in the clear with Ronald's quality lamp oil. Uh, I, I
3: I'm not sure about the helmets. I mean, I mean, I yeah. myself would be like, uh. Yeah.
1: that's don't uh, roll crit on the head, right? Right,
3: exactly.
1: <laughs> so um, well,
3: at least you know, based off the strictures, he's like, if you're if you're gonna play uh, a character in the cult of Ulric, you're gonna be a pretty honest, or at least playing an honest guy. Unless you want some sin points all around, pretty straightforward. I'm gonna charge in, no trickery. Battle cry before I go in. Um, what's that? What's that old? Um, that old video from World of Warcraft. Leroy
2: Jenkins.
3: Oh, Leroy, no, Leroy Jenkins. Jenkins. <laughs> no trickery, no nothing. Just I'm going in.
1: Le- mm. Leroy Jenkins was a devout follower of Ulrich. I, I feel like that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, if he if he triggered frenzy what are you gonna do you
1: know you're gonna start going oh man that's awesome that's a good connection there so so let's say your gm's throwing sin points at you you realize the error of your ways um your party maybe is forcing you to see the error of their ways as they're dealing with your fallout you need to do some penance nolan why don't you take us through the penance options so for
2: Penis, for, the, for Ulrich, are always tests of strength, courage, or martial skill. So slaying a powerful monster or clearing out a nest of beastmen, outlaws, uh, are basically typical stuff like that. So basically, honestly, and it goes right back to your scriptures, you know, defend your honor in all matters and never refuse a challenge. You know, you just find a beastman, find a minotaur, and challenge it. I'm sure. I'm <laughs> yeah. sure Ulrich will oh, bless you. <laughs> yeah. All your sins are forgiven, my son. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, if you could take it down, I'm sure Ulrich would. Yeah, very much be pleased. Uh,
1: uh, you know, uh, a monitor in Warhammer is like a monitor on steroids for everywhere else. Yeah, I mean, you're true.
3: <laughs> I mean, I was just thinking that. I mean, even if you had a sinful. A follower of Ulrich, you could almost guarantee to have all your sins forgiven eventually the way that we play <laughs> yeah,
1: that's true that's true, actually, I think penance uh for Ulrich is one of the more straightforwards of all the different gods I think so too yeah, it's super simple um somebody there's there's a monster or band bothering people causing problems, go take care of it go go kill and that's I mean it's really yeah I feel like it's a straightforward one. So um let's move on so blessings, right? So there's a, a core how blessings work in the game is there's a core like list of blessings and depending on the god you get six of those and it gives you the list. So just real quick going through this, we have the blessings of battle, courage, hardiness, might, savagery, and tenacity. And these are mostly stat boosts, so battle is for weapon skill. Courage is for willpower. Hardiness is for toughness. Might is for strength. Um, man, just think about all the blessings you could be handing out. Like you could really beef yourself. Just, just those these, four, right? I mm-hmm. think these
0: blessings are fantastic, especially obviously in battle. You're going to be. Mm-hmm. These are these are all the exact ones that you need. Weapon skill, toughness, strength are huge. I love, 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 love the blessing of savagery, and there's yeah. only three gods that mm-hmm. have it. And boy, I feel like <laughs> if I had another character that was a religious character, it'd be Ulrich just so I could cast that all the time. The blessing of savagery is roll twice for a critical, like the next critical you get. Oh, rolled. my
1: gosh. How cool yeah. is that?
0: Like I would love that. <laughs> I feel like pulling on the, the crit chart, that is what gets us like so excited every time. That's when you have these like really awesome, really gnarly, really wicked and... Uh, brutal scenes and right being able to take you know oh man i only rolled a three that's terrible they roll again you roll a 98 and you're like oh man now i'm gonna <laughs> yeah do this thing uh and then tenacity as well which removes a condition again that's gonna really promote survivability you know you can remove bleeding conditions fatigue blinded broken all those uh conditions that are pretty
1: debilitating right and if when you mm. look at blessings I mean, it it really underscores kind of the feel of Ulrich as a god in gameplay, right? It's all about the offense, baby. Like, it's tenacity is, like, the one that is sort of defensive, sort of healing, right? Like, but everything...
0: hardiness, too, right? That's boosting your toughness. That could get you... Yeah,
1: yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, but it's still... Man, just, like, I can... And I... Because I often think about how, in in our game with Deke, he's, he's always... You know, going to his main two blessings, right? And and uh, one is to make all everybody's weapons magical, which has come in handy quite a few times. But like, what's the the other one you do? Is uh, is it a condition? Which one do you do? The other one was it the strength one?
0: I, there's a tenacity one that I do quite That's often. Tenacity, as
1: well. yeah, yeah. Yep. So just it just it. You would think that oh, everybody's getting their blessings from this same list, that it wouldn't be very unique, but it is. When you yeah. when you really get down and look at how one God the blessing list compares to another, it's it is very different.
0: I think the in order to really get a good picture of that, you need to like take a step back and look at the blessings as a whole. Yes. Right. If you yep. asked me to give six words, six adjectives to describe or six words to describe Ulrich battle, courage, hardiness, might, savagery, tenacity. Yeah. Those might be the six best words to use, right? I mean, they right. all are so descriptive. And in this case, you know, you're not getting, there's no blessing of charisma. You're not getting, you know, uh, a boost of fellowship. You're not going to get uh, an extra reroll. You're not going to get an agility boost. You're going to survive. You're going <laughs> to attack and you're going to wound and injure and kill. And that's yeah. exactly what those yeah.
1: blessings offer. Ulrich is about beat face, not talking. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Oh, Ulrich man. is
2: forward, not back.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, let's talk about maybe the most exciting piece of of all the Ulrichiness that you <laughs> can have: miracles. How about let's start with Horfrost Chill? This one is going to give you
0: you cause fear. So essentially, you scream angry prayers and cold Ulrich answers. Your eyes gain a steely blue glint, and the air around you grows unnaturally cold. You cause fear in all enemies, and all uh, within your fellowship yards lose one advantage at the start of each round as they are chilled to the bone. Causing fear in itself is enough to make that an incredible blessing. And the fact that it's it's an area of effect, you could potentially have that effect in an enormous group of people.
1: Yeah, and... and pretty significant how many times has advantage come into play in in a battle too right where they had one more advantage than you did and then it it stacks for them right yeah and and then you're now you're in a problem right they got the momentum and like this gives a a continual debuff if you will um to range
0: to fellowship yards yeah yeah so that that could be a significant distance. You're talking potentially like 50 plus yards, depending on the circumstance. Right. And that, I mean, mm-hmm. you've got somebody at range that just keeps building advantage, just hitting people with,
1: with range shots. It's one way to potentially counteract that. Right. Right. So um, here's maybe uh so let's Janet's favorite miracle is definitely going to be howl of the wolf. Mm-hmm. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. From what I've noticed. <laughs> so, summon a wolf literally use the wolf stats from the back of the core rulebook. you summon a wolf that'll fight and fight with you how
0: cool Not is that a white wolf is it yeah. is it a white wolf a divine in the form of yeah. a white wolf man i would Arguing argue Ulrich himself
1: oh.
3: yep, so the I, white wolves have statistics of a wolf with the frenzy magical and size large creature traits Ooh, that's, large. that's a big that's boy old. and you're talking about a regular wolf has 10 wounds uh, weapon skill of 35
1: yeah that's did you I'm, I'm actually large. pulling up a wolf right now for uh, page see. 317 317 core of the core robot. robot yeah man and that artwork is so good um,
3: territorial trained
1: yeah and then giving it what did and they the say trained. what size size large size large, large yeah yeah so which gives it a bunch of right other things so when attacking like humans it's going to get a a ton of bonuses on the size rules which there's about a million of them so i'm not gonna go into it right now but yeah man that's uh you you cause more damage because you get the uh the damaging quality automatically you get the death blow rule and minus two success levels for each step larger than you that your opponent's that's attacking you like there's and you automatically cause fear or terror depending on the size difference like these are these are all just because it's size large i mean that's Mm -hmm. that's legit that's uh that's great you're
0: facing a tpk you know hail mary is cast this blessing and hope that wolf can come in and Right, you scare off your attackers or buy you some time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the next miracle of Ulrich is Ulrich's Fury, which sounds familiar. <laughs> it does, <laughs> fans. In this case, it is you chant furious prayers, and Ulrich's ferocity spreads. Targets gain the frenzy psychology. So, this, I. I We only played second edition for a short time. We probably, what, like maybe 10 sessions of it. One of the things I liked most about that system was Ulrich's Fury. And it was one of the things that like was disappointing that that wasn't carried through to this system. (laughs) And you can argue that like, well, you know, Advantage kind of gives you that, you know, idea of having these like big attacks that are growing over time. And Frenzy, you know, I guess is kind of similar in some ways, but it doesn't have that same feel. I distinctly remember... Rolling dice, triggering Ulrich's fury, and the whole table erupts. Rolling it again, triggering it again, and the whole like, the ground is shaking because we're all just like so excited about what's happening.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a that's that's a whole episode conversation there. <laughs> yeah. But oh yeah, but yeah, I I agree. But frenzy is no joke in in the game. If if you guys if you haven't if you're not familiar with frenzy, it's on page one ninety of the core rule book. You're immune to all psychology, so anything that's fear or terror that you might be fighting goes away. I think of things like Vargulfs. And, uh...
3: Dead. <laughs> Ghosts. Yup yeah. yep. think, think back about Hobbies, that. Yep. anything
0: we fought. <laughs> <laughs> think about the Vargulf, and then think about casting Ulrich's Fury onto one of your enemies. Like, there's a, a guard that's standing there. You cast Ulrich's Fury on it and essentially force this man to charge in and fight a Vargulf there's uh, there's so many options with this yeah.
1: and you for essentially is interesting
0: it's it, the concept of using it as a weapon i think is something that could could make for some really fun role playing
1: right and That's, you essentially get an extra attack with frenzy and like so there's there's uh, there's a lot of rules i won't go over all of them but it's it's a it's a powerful powerful thing so the next miracle is pelt of the winter wolf which this has no penalties for cold like you still feel the cold but there's no penalties of it. So like I get this like you're cold and chilled to the bone. Like this is to me this encapsulates the whole, you know, the son of Ulric walked out of the pines in the mountains. The ice frozen to his beard, his eyes. He you know, his axe covered in in frozen blood. Like he looked blue somehow he was walking. Like that's the the mm-hmm. feeling of this right like he he feels it you're cold you're not feeling happy right but but you're all rick's man right you that's uh yeah yeah that's super cool that in that so that can come into some heavy role playing there so how about this though who wants to talk about the snow king's judgment oh it's a good uh, i'll line. i'll take care of that one uh the snow king's uh judgment
2: uh, you call on Ulrich to make manifest his disdain for the weak, the cowardly, and deceitful. Target suffers 1d10 wounds, ignores toughness bonus and armor bonus. Oh, oh, oh that God. is. <laughs> just... Roll a 10, and that could just drop. Yeah, so it's just one target, but that thing could drop. But here's the caveat if the GM rules that the target is neither weak, cowardly, or deceitful, you suffer the effects instead. I know. So, uh, Oof. Oof. Get to know so, your GMs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I look at that as it's not something that's like, oh, we're going to run away. I'm going to do Snow King's Judgment to drop one to give us a little bit more time. No, because you would be dropping because you're being uh, cowardly and running away. Yeah,
1: and this
0: is where you just have to be—you have to be certain, right? You have to be really really careful. in this situation, you got to know that you know your target falls into one of those categories. I,
1: I, I would be terrified to use this miracle if Matt were my GM, because every (laughs) bad guy in every game that I've ever been in with Matt, like there's some—he's doing all these bad things because he's trying to save his family, and he's got pictures (laughs) of his entire family in his wallet. Like the person, the the guy, the stormtrooper you just killed, or the 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 guard who's guarding the the evil necromancer is just doing it because he's trying to save his child. Like yeah. that's that's the One thing where was, like you cast it, and then Matt goes, "Actually, this guy is the most courageous guy in 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 the the woods that has been in a decade." Sorry, he oh.
0: saved a whole town of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh
1: jokes on you yeah
0: uh, i am ridiculous when it comes to gming so sorry to anybody who
1: (laughs) plays in the games so so steve why don't you talk us through winter's bite i just wrote down next to winter's bite mega axe
3: yeah, basically, uh, you roar prayers concerning Blitzbeel Ulrich's ever thirsty axe. So, if you happen to be welding an axe, uh, of course, if you're a Northman, you probably might be, most likely. It counts as magical. Uh, so, you get that additional uh, success l- level of damage. Any, any living creature struck must make a challenging endurance test or gain a stun condition. You hit them, um, boom, successful, stunned. Further, um, they lose any bleeding condition as their blood freezes. Taxon reacts cannot cause any
2: bleeding condition, so it's like ice. Yeah. So I read that as cause an additional success level damage. So does that mean
1: it's doubled? No, an additional success level. Oh, uh, called
2: one additional one. Okay.
1: Yeah, one damage. Usually okay. that all equi- that equates to one damage. Okay, got it. Yeah, because I read that like an additional
2: success level damage. So I was like, what? If you had four success levels, it does eight? But no, okay. I was going to say, like, yeesh. But it's interesting because, like, like let's say your opponent's
3: bleeding, their bleeding condition will stop because their blood freezes. So it's
1: like. I just. It's like, oh my gosh, Heinrich's bleeding out. <laughs> Come over here. Bring your ex. axe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, just
2: chop into somebody to freeze them. <laughs> Just saved his life by cutting off his arm or something, you know. Just, well, it, well it'll I don't bleeding, know how. But... I was gonna say I don't know how truthful that is, but isn't that what they do sometimes? Like they would shoot their gun and then put the gun barrel, on, like on a wound. Yeah, to, like cauterize yeah. it. Yeah, I, like, I don't know if
1: like, that's actually true. Uh, <laughs> that's like, all I could think I lost of. my arm to frostbite, but I lived. Yeah. <laughs> So, But, and plus, you, you know, you're essentially handing out stun conditions every time you strike with this miracle, which is no joke. Stun conditions are a pain in this game. So, so uh,
0: there is one other tidbit on this that I think has some some interesting effect for gameplay. It's the only one of the um, miracles for Ulrich that you can only target yourself, which being somebody that will cast a miracle that's like... I don't immediately think that you're going to be, like, in the thick of battle with an axe and and being, like, this heavy-handed soldier type, right? Like, generally speaking, unless you're, like, a warrior priest and the ability to cast blessings and do miracles, the likelihood, it's there's, like, a, almost like a slight disconnect there. Maybe, maybe I'm crazy. Do you have any other thoughts on that?
1: Well, I think – so this can do a couple things. So let's say that you are – right, so – we tend to think about in, in players being more the white wolf as opposed to the howling wolf, right? But let's say you're just a priest of Ulrich, right? So, and maybe and a priest aren't generally um, statted out for combat so much. This could give you a major edge in combat, right? Um, yeah, at especially. Least things out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because if you're dealing out stun conditions, you can all the. Now, let's say instead of just adding a little damage while your teammates are are bringing the pain right you might be causing stun conditions i mean that might be something that's necessary you're up against a big bad guy you know the the boss level and you just handed out two different stun conditions to this guy like your yep. player base your 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 teammates might be super happy um, yeah.
3: changes. And, and don't forget that it turns your weapon magical, yes. Um, yeah. can't yeah. the yep. importance of magic when you're fighting against specters and just things that,
1: yeah, we know
0: that all too well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and remember, remember too, he uh, all the Ulrich doesn't have the miracle that gives you uh, magical weapons, so this is the only way, right? You could be in a party and like I and and that that would be an interesting situation. Uh, we need to deal with this deadly ghost. You're the only, you can only cast this on yourself. You're the only one that can deal with this problem. So awesome miracles. So let's get into some questions, guys. Uh, we've been talking a lot about Ulrich and and gameplay and stuff. So uh, first question we want to ask here: Are what are some tips or ideas for a GM whose game includes a PC who's who is a devout follower of Ulrich? Um, and, uh, I like Steve, why don't you start us off on this one? Do you have any thoughts uh, on this? Or
3: ideas for Jim to include a PC? Well, I, I, I mean, it depends on where like the group starts. If it starts in the North, that's even perfect.
1: Well, I'm I have, me. I have some one. thoughts yeah. on this, Matt. Do you want to jump in before that I one. go? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So one of the things that stuck, stuck out to me, uh, that would be really cool would be to offer that player or the party an ongoing hunt. Not something that is, like, you resolve Mm -hmm. in a single session. And I wrote next to it, wolf nemesis. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You know, blood pouring out of its mandible, and it's just (sighs) this huge beast. And, like, you come across it, you, you fight it, it leaves, you know, sessions later two other wolves attack and when you defeat those wolves off in the distance you see this wolf yeah. playing, standing on a giant rock howling at the moon and it's you know yeah. this ongoing thing and and honestly that could be a really cool yeah. uh, mm-hmm. i want to play
3: it
1: yeah, yeah. right <laughs>
3: <laughs> call that wolf scar
1: yeah actually yeah. that's really cool i had wrote down right here man include hunts or challenges um to your yep. honor right so so if you're gonna have players that are in Ulrich, you need to make sure that you include that every now and then themes about or opportunities to hunt something down or to have your honor with the big Strixer. Right? Um, one of the big things I think you have to challenge people's Strixers. Try to try to get them in situations unless they're already overflowing with send points. Then maybe you want to be a nice GM. But <laughs> but like you know, have challenges to their honor. You talk about uh the wolf thing, I think that was a great idea. Winter include winter in your games. Don't make weather is so important in games, but if you have Ulrich, someone a devout follower of Ulrich, have like a whole Send campaign to the cold wastelands to where they're forced to like yeah, survive and mm-hmm.
0: use the the miracles that'll provide the the white wolf pelt and oh for sure.
3: Oh, absolutely at night like you know it's cold gotta find a cave who knows what might happen in a cave you know just yeah
1: yeah have have yeah. have that that survival test you did as they're tracking a beast go wrong and make the party lost for two days in a snowstorm and yeah. mm-hmm. you know what i mean and force them like now the the hunt or the bad guy they're tracking they're long gone that's a that's several sessions down the line. You'll have to deal with that right now. Your players are stacking with conditions, and the only person that can handle it really well and is keeping the party alive is the, the devout follower of Ulrich. Yep, mm-hmm. or and here's another one wilderness, just in general, even if you don't have winter, right. If you're gonna have someone that's a device follower of Ulrich, while it could be fun and interesting to have an entire campaign with an Ulrich follower in a in a big city like Aldorf um, think about including wilderness opportunities f- uh, for play, right because that's one of those areas where this this kind of player might shine. So just it's something to think about.
0: It's also thinking about how cool it would be if you had a whole party or at least a, several members in a party that were devout followers of Ulrich, that in their travels on the road, they come across some devout followers of Sigmar. Mm. So then <laughs> this argument like, well, who's who's the, the one true God? And then obviously chaos ensues. Bunch of lamp oil gets spilled. Bunch of fires <laughs> get started. And
1: all Oh, boy. The start of the Ulrichan Wars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, so it, really, about... it
2: really was the spark that started the war. <laughs> the literal <laughs>
0: <spark>. <laughs> So what are some tips or ideas for a player who plays a character who's a devout follower of this god? I think that not to leave it all up to the GM, like if you're traveling, if you're going through the woods, ask to, to, to make you know perception tests, outdoor survival tests to find those animals to hunt them down. You could actually mm-hmm. argue, I think you could make that a a source of income, even for the party, right? Would be to like, oh man, I'm out here. There's this huge, you know, a pack of like elk or you know some animal that's nearby. Hunt it. Find ways to to get that in the game if it's not already there. Hmm.
3: Yeah, but I definitely agree. You could have like a farmer that hey, my cows are missing. Um,
0: <laughs> you know,
3: find out what's attacking it, type of deal.
1: Right. So one thing that I think uh, a player that is a devout follower of Ulrich could fall into that would be negative would be becoming the one-dimensional barbarian warrior, right? Um, this is Warhammer. Nothing is one-dimensional. <laughs> um, yeah. and And I think the big thing here is you got to try to make sure that your focus is more than just that. Don't just be looking for the next big thing to kill. Don't just be thinking about my honor has been expunged and blah, you know, like it's, yeah, you got to play to the character. Remember all, not all care. Remember you as a player, your character might not be a perfect follower of Ulrich. Maybe there's some 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 wiggle room there. Maybe there's a lot of fun. So just try to keep that in mind. Try not to just, just be this one-dimensional where cause I could see that being a way to fall into. And then you're just you're just the meaty guy with an axe that charges in. The other thing is is play into the wildness, right? Think about the Sons of Ulrich in and there's more reading on that in um Middenheim. Middenheim. has a lot of stuff on the Sons of Ulrich and the followers allrick and, and all the different politics surrounding in and there, there's some good stuff but i i mean think about that play into that wild side a little bit right don't be afraid to to have your character maybe get a little crazy in a hunt and make the rest of your you know your party have <laughs> ri- raise an eyebrow as you you fi- kill the thing is you take the last charge at it on all fours. Uh, you know, something just to, like, encapsulate that that you are one with Ulrich. You know, there's a lot of cool things you can do. I, oh, I guess my whole point is, is try not to be one-dimensional um, because I feel like you could fall into that trap. For sure. So are there other unique role-playing opportunities and challenges one might have when including this god in your games? Like good and bad, right? We talked a little bit about the bad, right? You could end up with a very warrior focus, which, I mean, depending on your style play might not be a bad thing.
0: Right. Not necessarily bad. Right. hmm
1: um, I think that the good is that it encourages the elements, weather and the elements. It's something that I think can make for a really fun role-playing session, take you away from the battles or the eloquent talking, and just get into survival. Yeah. Use some of those skills you haven't put any experience into in months. You know?
0: Well, I think you're right that that uh putting players in a situation where they need to test their survival is right exactly what this uh what this god is all about. Although at the same time a couple bad rolls out in the wilderness <laughs> and you're dead, you know. So yeah, hope, yeah. that that could be a challenge, you know,
1: finding a mm-hmm. good balance. I mean, including yeah, weather and the so, elements and things so gms i'll give some advice here failing in survival doesn't always mean death sometimes it just means giant leeches or lot or there are all sorts of diseases in this game it's, a failed survival rule seemed to me seems like an, an excellent opportunity to uh, to introduce some of those for sure <laughs>
3: Yep, and uh, I would definitely, you know, I like the whole survival, you know, mode where you're like kind of out the city, you're in the woods doing Mm -hmm. things. It's way different. Not Mm, not a lot of folks to talk to. It's it's pure survival. I mean, as a GM, I wouldn't make it as extreme as like Predator, but. (laughs)
1: Boy as, you a know GM, I I mean, mean, as a GM I <laughs> <as laughs> mean <myself>. yeah <laughs> Matt Matt's eyes one by one on the video just went wide like oh my gosh that's a great idea Steve <laughs> like right frantically writing it down I was going to say
2: and me as a GM there's five predators coming <laughs> in. Have your second
3: character made <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: Awesome. So I think another another challenge too in that same regard, because this God is so in tune with nature and you know the elements of being outside and things. If you had a long term campaign that took place in a major city, that character might really feel out of place and not mm-hmm. feel like they're able to like explore what it means to be a follower of, of Ulrich in the same way they could if they were you know constantly traveling you know, constantly in the wilderness needing to survive. Right. So I think it's important to find a good balance there. You
1: mm-hmm. know, one thing I would point out, too, is if, let's say you're making a campaign, you're creating a campaign from the ground up, one of the things I always, always suggest is, if you can, try to get your session zero well ahead of when you're going to start planning all the details of the campaign, because it might help inform your decisions. But if you're going to run a game in the city, and, and somebody rolls up an Ulrich in, Maybe consider making Middenheim the city that you're in. You can still do all the cool city things, but also have the temple of Ulrich, and there's a lot of cool things you could do. Play a, a game that where you never leave the city but can still be very Ulrich focused. Just a thought. Mm-hmm. Altdorf would be harder. <laughs> since yeah. Sigmar is the is the main, deity the main that, god, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
3: You'll be tapping on. Do uh, you guys know where the Shrine of Ulrich is? Anybody? Anybody?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: Just so talk let's about a challenge for a
1: player. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that could be really fun if you're an experienced role player or know the law. You know, it could be fun to do that, right? Uh, I think Kyle and I were talking earlier today about the concept of um, character creation, where you're you're creating a character that's the antithesis of what they are. Um, and by that, I mean, like, so you're, you're making a dwarf who can't hold his liquor or, you, you know, you're, you're going against the grain of what things normally are. Right. Or like a dwarf, like you don't normally think of dwarfs as like, oh, dainty, fine. Like you're, you're a dwarf diplomat that cares about the finer things in life right? He's more, he's more like an elf than a dwarf. And, and role-playing that out can make some really fun, memorable, right? When you're going against the grain of what your character might normally be. And so I think there's some opportunity with Ulrich in in that way as well. So final thoughts. Uh,
2: I like it. I know why I always do joke around that Ulrich is the true God, but I do, I do enjoy Ulrich. I think, He has a lot of opportunities for role-playing aspect, and honestly, and I would say this if we, when we do a Sigmar, um, if two uh, priests of a Sigmar and an Ulrich were in the same party, I think that'd be a great party to go to, because it's the whole, I always feel like it'd end up being like the, what is it, Gimli and Legolas. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. one of the rings yeah, just like yeah. i never thought i'd die side by side with a priest of sigmar
1: <laughs> sounds like a bad joke <laughs> a Sigmarite and an ulric can walk into a bar the you know. bar burned down
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know. uh,
1: but i do
2: i think uh Ulrich, like we said is very much wilderness um as long as we you know don't go too, you know By the actual term, barbarian heavy, you know, like in D&D terms, don't be a flat out barbarian. Have a little bit more course to yourself, you know, survive the elements and have your honor. You know, there's one thing about it being, you know, just throwing away honor is, you know, you never had honor then to begin with. But
0: uh, probably one of my favorite gods is probably Ulrich. I really enjoy this god. I think the gods in Warhammer are so varied and so like oozing of theme and and uh full of life that you could really pick any god and have it influence your your character and your party and your game in so many different ways. I love Ulric. I think uh it, it's a little more straightforward, a little more obvious on how to play the god so i think it's probably a good one for potentially players that aren't super familiar um and one that i i would love to play as this somebody following this god i honestly think that the more i play with a warrior priest in this case uh the more i never want to play a character that is not Hmm. involved in some religion because they're so much fun to play
1: Mm, yeah and, and it, being a devout follower of anything really helps you it gives you a basis to role play off of so yes yeah
0: with, yep. and, i mean i think it for me that's been invaluable because you you know with a lot of the careers you're not necessarily going to have that you're not going to know exactly you know what to do and what not to do with religion it it spells that out pretty clear for you yeah don't, you <laughs> Here's know, a list don't of things you okay. should not do yeah I mean, exactly Here's what you do <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Ulrich is a good one. It, it's, uh, you can totally see why, uh, Ulrich is one of the, the most prominent gods in the old world, Steve,
3: uh, final thoughts, you know, uh, Ulrich is definitely a companion you want on your team, you know, with its, you know, the penitents are, easier straightforward <laughs> just kind of kill the bad guys which is great um besides a blessing the miracles are all aimed at fighting like my game style is i kind of charge in and kind of attack and swing and thankfully i've always had a supporting team to help and that's why like if anyone has any blessings or miracles that they can help with in the battle for or with ulric oh that's just a blessing <laughs> mm-hmm. um Just with everything, um, just, you know, as, you know, anyone that would be Ulrich would be a great supporting character on any team, you know, because a lot of the Warhammer world is fighting, and they'd be all around just a nice supporting character. So definitely, yep, Ulrich, i give it three thumbs up.
1: (laughs) Chaos! Um. Chaos! So, I I, obviously, I agree with everything you guys have said. Though I think, Steve, you might have said exactly what I've been thinking, um, which is a support character. When you initially look at Ulrich, you think anyone that's following Ulrich is going to be a beast of a combat character. And that is maybe true. However, I think it's a beast of a support character, right? Someone who can fight but also can boost allies, which most religious characters can do this, right? Most religious characters are going to be a good support. But this is really like if you're in a, especially any sort of cold weather environment, um, the, the, the support, having an Ulrich, follower of Ulric with these blessings and miracles and things can be a huge boon. Um, and uh, I think uh, this character seems fun. Um, and as far as gods go, right, if someone says, I really want to be a priest, I don't know what I want to do. I also think potentially with the exception of Sigmar, maybe Ulrich is like the easiest, right? It's it's not overly complicated from, from a standpoint. Wolves, war, and winter, right? Like that really yeah. sums it up. And uh, awesome. So mm-hmm. now let's all go make Ulrichens. Yeah,
0: (laughs) that'd be a sweet party. Yeah, it would would be. be.
1: It would be. So, and and speaking of a party, we have a, a new show segment. I'm going to explain it in just a second here. But before we do, Matt, why don't you tell us, what is this new show segment called?
0: This new segment is called
1: Roll That Party. So this is a new show segment where we help to give you ideas for the craziest party career combinations. And this comes up because a lot of people, this often comes up in not just Warhammer, but almost every game. How do you have this random amount of careers and people of varying backgrounds get together and and fight? Well, we're an adventuring party is usually the default, right? We're old friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah things yeah. like, and that can be difficult sometimes. And sometimes when you get the... Oh, I have the criminal and the lawyer and the, you know, and Warhammer. Your careers are so varied and detailed; it can be difficult to figure that out. So, what we're gonna do in this show segment is we brainstorm how we might design backgrounds and storylines to make even the craziest, mismatched and incompatible characters. Come together to form a cohesive and interesting story that solidifies your group of unlikely adventurers. We are discussing this concept from the point of view that we are at session zero, or maybe even before session zero, where we're coming together as players in a GM in a group to talk it through, right? We haven't already decided our backgrounds or anything like that. This is all part of that creative process. So while this brainstorming tactic might help if you're struggling, um, with, like, incompatible characters, concepts that are partway through a campaign, it'll be, I think this will be much more impactful um, to work on your character backgrounds and concept as a group before the campaign starts. For example, um, I, there was a, the, I was listening, I think, to Mud and Blood, and they were discussing one of their experiences where they had a fence, a Steve door, a lawyer, and a watchman right? So you basically have the law, the criminal, the lawyer, and like a dock worker. Now, in this campaign, they were going to take place in Marienburg, which is like the port city of the world, right? And what they came up with, and I think this was really good, is that this group was essentially a ring of criminals, right? The watchman was on the take that helped make sure the patrols didn't come by when they were loading and unloading illegal cargo from the ships, which is why the Steve door was involved. The fence was take those stolen goods and sell them. And the lawyer made sure that anything that happened, like, legally in Marienburg when stuff got caught, like, he took care of them, and that was how he got his cut. So they came up with this great concept for seemingly crazy
0: a pretty random assortment. Yeah. yeah. That is like, <laughs> I, what a perfect background for those characters. Right. And now I you have,
1: in, right, the, that party can can go a couple of ways with it, but the de- the default they should probably look at is they all trust each other because we've been working this same criminal thing together for a long time. You yeah. know? Yeah. Boom. There you go. And adventure ensues. You got, have
0: to watch each other's backs. Yeah. You know, and, and you're already in it. So once you're in it, you can't, you know, you can't get out. If you betray the party, then that's it for you, you know.
1: that's Yeah, that's really mm-hmm. neat. So, Matt, Did why you... don't you tell us about our first segment? Who who are we – what party are we putting together? All right. So today
0: on Roll That Party, we have a human rat catcher, a human outlaw, a dwarf bounty hunter, and what we will do in every segment of Roll That Party – is roll one completely randomly as we're sitting here. We have not pre-recorded this or we have not planned this at all. One of us is going to roll a dice. We're going to go through the book. We're going to pick what that career and species is going to be and we're going to go from there. So why don't we get a roll for species?
2: All right. Oh, and please roll. All right. I rolled a 47. seven. 47. So that'd be a a human. Ah, yes. Anything below... I was going to say,
0: as long as we ain't
2: above a 90, we really don't have to look.
0: Right, exactly. Okay, so we have a human. Let's get a career roll. Roll again. 63. 63. So this is going to be a human huffer. So we have a human... A human outlaw, a dwarf bounty hunter, and a human huffer.
1: This is not going to be easy.
2: All right. I'm going to say, I got to look up on human huffer again.
1: All right. Uh, okay. The, so it's uh, basically the a river, pilot. a river pilot. Yeah. So yep. uh, a mm. river guide, they know the river bends inside and out. All right. So, all right. So let's, let's, let's talk this through guys. Right. So rat catcher, uh bounty hunter, outlaw, huffer. Um, so huffer is usually in the river. Ratcatcher is generally working in a larger town or city. Uh, bounty Hunter and Outlaw. Man, I'm just, I'm thinking, what if the Bounty Hunter, th- their mark is the Outlaw? But, like, I mean, it, it, that would be, I mean, if, there could you know, be some... Than
0: that. The Outlaw goes out and finds bounties and can get in with people that have bounties on them and then can essentially turn them in to the Bounty Hunter.
1: Ah, so what if this team was put together for a specific reason and they've been working together? So what if they're, all right, cause I'm, I'm thinking the, tying the huffer in wants to take you away from the city. Right. But what if the, this is a anti Skaven bounty hunting team? Right. So um Skaven are basically denied their existence but people in the know, people in power, know that Skaven are a power a problem. And so they need a bounty. You know, they need a rat catcher. They're they're going into the tunnels and the sewers. Um and they're doing this in Alt Dwarf, um, where the Huffer actually is is constantly moving them in and out of like the surrounding marshlands and river systems um to hunt down various. And it's not just Skaven, right? But they like specialize. Like this is the city. It's like the city's anti-monster force that's hired, but doesn't really exist, right? Like they're That could be an idea, right?
3: Yeah, like they dispense uh, justice. Uh, you got the huffer for the waterways, the rat catcher for the
2: tunnels underneath oh, the city to get to certain mm-hmm. spots. Okay, Human
3: outlaw. They got hired. I was going to say bounty hunter.
2: I was thinking the Huffer as, you know, a mobile base going from town to town. You know, everybody needs kind of a home base to rest. That's what you got the
1: Huffer for. Okay. They got their own little boat to pilot. All right. So something Steve just said. I feel like I – what if this is a vigilante group? They have a patron that they don't know. That is very mysterious and has been sending them on bounties into the craziest worlds. They put together like you're going in deep and hunting Skaven for one bounty. You're going into the and you're working this section of river and in and around Altdorf or maybe some other place. The You need the Huffer because you're constantly moving from place to place. The Huffer has a boat at your base of operations and um, oh, you like are dispensing idea. justice for some strange benefactor that you don't know or understand. And half of the time your bounties make no sense. Like you're like a, an underground bounty hunting force that hunts the crazy stuff that, that the officially don't exist.
2: I was going to say, what is the uh, old world equivalent of the like water DNRs? it's like the river patrols the wa- the no it's river wardens river wardens river, yeah, yeah yeah yeah. so like i could see like this group as in you now this is the unofficial business they're not sanctioned
1: by the vigilante Ward- river yeah warden. the vigilante river wardens. wardens oh my gosh yeah. i like that vigilante is, river warden team
3: and i do like the idea where their home base is like the boat that was provided to them right yeah. That's not to say that they couldn't have like additional kind of NPC,
1: you know, a few crew, an outhouse here or there. Right now, so I, are we all liking this idea? Because I'm, I'm starting to feel it here. No, I like it. I like kind yeah. of the because I, I mean to it, right? That like
0: you have all aspects. Way, we're all like pitching in these little ideas that, and I think that's really the point of this show segment. I mean, yeah, if it's basically a yeah session zero. Yeah, don't don't fall into that idea that like, all right, you guys are old friends or oh, you met at a bar or oh you're you know, been working <laughs> together. Take take that time and collectively, cannot stress that enough, collectively discuss how this is gonna happen. And then you come up with this sweet, like, you know, vigilante crime fighting uh party that I, I could see having a lot of fun with that. Right. Mm-hmm. 20- You know what's
3: great about this is that everyone can have, like, a key, you know, specialized role. It's like Mission Impossible. You know, you got the guy that works at electronics, you know, the rat catcher guy. Um, The one that can, you know, actually steer you in the right way is just a masterful uh, uh, boater. Gets you from here and there that is in charge of the stocking, you know, while it's docked. But also, you know, takes care of other things. you got the outlaw that knows hidden spots or that has been trained to kind of sneak by – sentries and patrols dwarf bounty hunter whole different world there who right. knows what he has or what his story story was he could be 200 years old
0: <laughs> who knows yeah. well and i think when i think vigilante outlaw like the role that that character has is knowing how to avoid the actual law the right. actual yeah. road wardens mm-hmm. the actual river wardens uh
1: and you know right trick and, them into, into walking right past and being and, stealthy and right and there's the huffer right this huffer is brought on the team because they know the ways that are the more dangerous waterways to avoid the authorities, right? Like, and, and I think this is all, so, but in in I want to make a point here, and this segment will be a little bit longer than probably our, our future ones as we explain some of this stuff, but GMs now, what if you're panicking at this point, right? I'm like, Oh, I was going to run the enemy within. And now I have a vigilante river warden team. Like what, what am I supposed to do with that? adjust, right? You're going to run the enemy within. You don't necessarily need to have those towns and cities exactly on the same place in the map. Maybe select another city that's on the river, maybe, you know, or tie it in. Or if you're making your own campaign, it doesn't mean you can't do your own campaign. Oh, my my campaign was going to be in the mountains. So I would offer you two, two, uh, two potential suggestions here. One, write that campaign idea down in your GM notebook and save it for another day and do something different or two have it tie in right and and adjust your campaign don't be afraid right because the campaigns are more meaningful when the characters tie into them right and i think that's a that's a big piece that that's important to keep in mind man i this vigilante river warden team sounds awesome because <laughs> honestly think about it as a gm even if you want to like you can literally have this mysterious patron give them bounties in the craziest of situations. You can get, like, if Into you're a, yeah, like just open up oh. the, the B and and point to a random entry and be like, great. How am I going to tie this in some weird mysterious way, right? And then you could easily build a campaign with with oh, yeah. vigilante river warden team. That sounds mm-hmm. awesome.
3: And there's a couple things I want to add too. Well, one is that with this type of group, with just people thrown together to do someone's bidding, you know, just, you know, you all have skills that put you together based off your past to do certain jobs. You know, you could always, if you have a friend that joined your group, he could always specialize in something else that he just, you know, he meets you. You know, like, boom, bam, bam. We don't know you, but we don't have to. We're getting paid to do a job. You got a certain skills. That's why you're here. The interplay can be just... Nice. But like you were saying, like little jobs, it could be as simple as we have this innkeeper that's not really an innkeeper. But yeah, we need a way to find out how to get to his underground vault. Ratcatcher may be, you know, more more posed to find a way in. Right. as to going through the front door. But we're just little jobs to make money.
1: Let's say you were going to play Night of Blood, right? We all know Night of Blood. It would be easy to adapt Night of Blood to this party. Right. Oh, so instead of traveling in a coach on the road, you're traveling, uh, you know, on a on a barge Um, and Mm. and the the inn is there. Boom. And so and you all trust each other because you've been doing these crazy, dangerous, deadly jobs in the the dankest, you know, sewers and and streets and wilderness of the old world, chasing down these crazy bounties that no one would believe you if you told them. With, with this group, you have to trust them because otherwise you'd been dead 20 times over. Boom. I mean, this is – I honestly, when we first had – when you rolled up Huffer, I was scared. I sat there going, crap, how the heck are we going to do this? But Didn't now – have- I think it's good. I mean, and maybe like I'm doing a little bit of a stretch here. But
2: like you said, we have a, a bunch three people that all have different abilities and stuff like that all know each other because, you know, this is their job. This is what they're hired to do. This is what they got to do. I always say it's always fun. You know, it's like, yes, being friends with each other is always a good way to start. But just a, hey, we got a job to do. We have to go, you know, is also a great way to start. In a way, uh, we might have just described uh, a weird way of saying, the A-team of the Old World <laughs> Podcast, you know? Yeah, right. they're out, the vigilantes, they're not really uh, looked favorably upon by the River Wardens. You know, hey, we get the job done, but, you know, if you can find us and do have us do our job, we'll do it.
1: Right. Cool,
2: cool. <laughs> Ocean's 4. Yeah, Yeah, Ocean's (laughs) 4. I was trying to think of something. It's like, all right, so we have Suicide Squad, A.T. I was trying to think of something, but yes, Ocean's
1: 4. All right, great job, guys. That was a Mm -hmm. great Roll That Party segment. Uh, A great first one to start on. I I love that. So we don't want to just have our ideas on this. I think, Steve, you're going to talk about this.
3: Yep. uh, So if you think you have a combination that might stump us, or perhaps you're struggling with how to get a party to work together as a group, uh, let us know your situation, and maybe we can brainstorm for you. We love to do that. Send your crazy party concepts to us at questions at oldworldpodcast.com. Once again, it's questions at oldworldpodcast.com. With the subject line, roll that party, and we'll be happy to discuss whatever crazy combinations or careers you've come up with.
1: Yeah, I I definitely – you got some crazy stuff. Um, I've honestly, some of the craziest party concepts are like, hey, we all decided that we all want to be, you know, priests of Ulric or something. Those can be some of the hardest ones, too. But, like, sometimes the harder things are, I have two warrior priests on my team. They both want to be Ulric. How the heck would I make this work? You know, sometimes it seems easy, but it can be hard. There's some unique things. So there's just any combination. We'd love to hear it. And then, um, you know, and we'll continue to to do this segment whenever we can fit it in, in our shows. Um, I actually, I really enjoyed this, guys. I hope Obviously you did too. I look forward to doing more of these and just listening to what you guys say about them. Yeah. I think they'll be fun to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Nolan's like, I already have my first submission. Sending the email now. <laughs>
2: yeah. And Old World Podcast, was that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is that questions at
1: Old World Podcast? <laughs> All right. So that's it for our show tonight, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, talking Ulrich and Warhammer. I always... Oh man, I'm excited. I'm excited to play. Um, so uh, our next episode... Uh, we have a few things in the docket. Um, I know we've been talking about this for a while. Um, I, we obviously just finished up the last episode was with the online games. But um, going forward, we have a few books that we're tossing around, doing reviews on, um, including Altdorf. What I feel like there's another book that just came out. Maybe not. There's a part of The Throne Companion. The power, that- well, well, and what, what we're doing, and we're talking about doing a show where we're going to talk about the entire enemy within. I think instead of doing individual reviews on the companions coming up, we might do that. Though I know we never did the power behind the throne, timing didn't work out for that. Long story short, for sure, we are looking at doing uh, an episode that encapsulates the entire enemy within once it's all released so and then the other uh we have a couple more career we, we we've been getting a couple emails asking for career episodes we have those on the docket as well um we're always excited to do career episodes so be on the lookout I, and uh so honestly i don't want to commit to anything because things are fluid when it comes to recording these shows but uh be tuned in we'll we'll let you know what's coming up
3: Uh, So intrepid listeners, keep in touch. Let us know your questions, feedback, and even show topic suggestions. You can contact us multiple ways by checking out our website at www.oldworldpodcast.com, Twitter at Old World Podcast, and of course, Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Old World Podcast.
1: And while you're checking us out on various social interwebs, be sure to hop on over to our Patreon page and support us. If you like what you're doing and uh, what we're doing and you want to help out, become a patron for only a couple dollars a month you can help support the show and get some cool rewards too Uh, check us out at patreon.com slash old world podcast
0: also let us know what you think visit itunes or your preferred podcast service and rate us every review helps us reach even more warhammer fans
1: this is lance saying good night and beware of the snow king's judgment
0: this is matt reminding you that the tiger and the lion may be more powerful but the wolf does not perform in the circus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is Steve. When you're in the
2: north, the wolves aren't the only ones that howl.
1: Oh, that's a
2: good one. This is Nolan saying, Alrick, give me the fangs of the wolf, and I will show you your enemies the mercy of the wolf.
1: Nice. nice.
2: This podcast and related website are completely unofficial and are not endorsed by Games Workshop Limited or Cubicle 7 Entertainment. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. GW, Games Workshop, Warhammer, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, and all associated logos, illustrations, images, names, creatures, races, vehicles, locations, weapons, characters, and the distinctive likenesses thereof are registered trademarks of Games Workshop Limited, Cubicle 7 Entertainment, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio or video information, is the intellectual property of The Old World Podcast and Crimson Tower Studios, LLC.